The reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and we are doing the first 16 verses. Starting in verse 1. I hope you will put up with a little of my foolishness, but you are already doing that. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. But I do not think I am in the least inferior to those super-apostles. I may not be trained in speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by receiving support from them as, so as to you to serve you. And when I was with you and needed something, I was not a burden to anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. I've kept myself from being a burden to you in any way and will continue to do so. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, nobody in the regions of Achaia will stop the boasting of mine. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And I will keep on doing what I'm doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want to opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. That is the word of the Lord. We're going to look at this morning is, uh, is your loyalty evident in your life? A true loyal person is always sincere. They show very subtle yet powerful signs that they care. You'll find that they are faithful in a way that they show up during good times and in the bad times. Loyal people are supportive, even loving, for no other reason that they care. True Christian loyalty is always strong, not for what we can get, but for what we have already received. Let us pray that we may get a true understanding of this passage in Corinthians. Our loving Father, be with us, open our hearts and our minds to your message in this passage in Corinthians. What you have given Paul that we have received, Lord, that we may ponder it in our hearts and that we may change what change need to be done. We pray that you will do this by the guidance of your Holy Spirit in all things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
I hope you will put up with a little of my foolishness, but you are already doing that. I think it's a somewhat, somewhat confusing opening line, and Paul is telling the Corinthians uh, that what he's teaching is foolishness. Is that what he's doing? By no means. He is simply saying that this is what the false prophets are saying he is. And that is what the world is out today saying about you and I, that those Christians are feeble and weak and they believe in fairy tales. Well, see, Paul is continuing his defense here, defense of the gospel. He defends Jesus Christ and he is literally in the midst of his hardship mistreated by this particular church in Corinth, displaying an unshakable loyalty to the one, the one who saved him on the road to Damascus. And when he then adds the line that, but you're already doing that, he's actually referring to the fact that they had already done it, they had listened and they had believed his teaching before the arrival of these false prophets, these super apostles, or as he calls them, yes, super apostles, because that is what, in fact, they claim to be. They claim to be a better form of apostle than what Paul is supposed to be. And that's the point of his behavior here, that he is teaching and he shows his loyalty to Jesus in how he stands firm. And loyalty, let's face it, loyalty is a rare quality. Treason is maybe more common in man in general terms. The world has had many treasonous people uh, appear from time to time over the years. The political world, well, the political world is saturated with them. We have seen that over the last few weeks in New South Wales, let alone the world. Quisling is a well-known Norwegian turncoat. He turned and worked with the Nazis, paid for it with his life, and even his name today is synonymous with treason. Not a good thing for your name to be remembered by. Even Peter committed treason. Not once, not twice, but three times that we know of. And I was called, he was called out by Paul on that third one. But the really, really big one in history, the really big one, is none other than Judas. They simply just don't come any bigger than that. We could make a long list of treasonous people if we wanted to, but try to think of someone loyal, truly loyal, in your circle of friends or in your church. How many names pops to your mind? Well, as I said, it's a rare quality. Maybe more importantly, in this context, however, the question is not of who you know. It is, how loyal truly are you? The question is much the same as we ask of you, is how much do you love the Lord? In line with the understanding that we had here, loyal people are supportive, even loving, for no other reason than they care. I think of this in terms of the Apostle Paul and the incredible hardship he experienced from the time from the time of Damascus until his death in Rome. His loyalty and his love of Jesus never wavered. 
and he suffered death for his loyalty. Paul understood what he wrote in Philippians 1.29 when he put it down. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him but also to suffer for him. He knew what suffering was but he also knew what believing in Christ was. Is your loyalty in the category where you would expect Jesus to greet you on that day when you see him with the famous and desirable words, well done, good and faithful servant. These are all worthy things that we need to ponder in our hearts from time to time. And Paul had the same concerns and the love for the people that Jesus had. Just as God is a jealous God, so Paul is a jealous apostle. In verse 2, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. Paul's purpose and mission in life was to find, to teach and prepare people to love the Lord and be ready to meet him in person. It is a life filled with blessings, but it is also wrought with disappointments. A time of joy, but also times of sadness. It's a spiritual roller coaster, if you like. In verse 3 he says, But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. See, Adam and Eve had more than anyone had the blessing and the experience and the fellowship with God. Walking with him in the cool of the day, in the Garden of Eden, living in a perfect world. And they had faltered and were expelled from that world. Since we have inherited their sinfulness, is it any wonder that we see loved ones lose sight of Jesus and stray from him? To be beguiled by the world and all its temptations. As he says in verse 4, For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you received a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it so easily enough. See, we are back speaking of false prophets here. It's part of Paul's defense. People who have taken maybe bits of the gospel and added some more what worldly things to make their gospel more what they call attractive to the world, um, to the one that Paul presented to them, a gospel, let's say, that scratches their itching ears. They had not only mangled the true gospel, but they also managed to cast a doubt on the authority and the truth of what Paul is teaching and indeed his place as an apostle of Jesus Christ. In verse 5, but I think not. I am the least inferior to those super apostles. I may not be a trained speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way, he teaches them. Keith, in his sermon last week, touched on this. Men with the ability to present their case in a public place with conviction. Great speakers, eloquent speakers. Men like politicians that speak well but lack sincerity, that sell their message really, really well but doesn't follow through with their promises. The world is full of them. 
I remember reading about a fellow brother in Christ in England, a church member with maybe little education. He was part of the church leadership in some way and and served the lack of public speaking. He wasn't a very good speaker. But he stood up in church on a winter's day with the snow so heavy that the minister had not made it to church. And he wanted to honor the God that he was serving. And he tried to give a sermon but really quite didn't get it together altogether. So he defaulted to simply address in the few people that made it to church. He addressed this one young man in front row with a very simple message. He told him, young man. You look very miserable, and you always will be miserable, miserable in life and miserable in death. If you don't obey the text that I have given you today, you, but you will obey now, this moment you will be saved. Young man, he said, look to Jesus Christ. He had proclaimed a simple truth, and a young man responded to it. His name was Charles Spurgeon who became one of the greatest preachers of the 19th century. Paul was one such man too. He had been approached by Jesus, had been converted, and became possibly, and not possibly, but became the greatest evangelist the world has ever seen. But what do you think? What do you think of the possibility of you one day sharing a simple message of hope? with a stranger in the street or the shopping centre. And that that person may become a true and loyal servant of the Lord Jesus Christ that will take the message to the world. Would you be willing to take the risk with your life of missing out on such a blessing by not just sharing freely what you have yourself freely received. Would you want to take that risk? Verse 7 tells us, Was it sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel to you, free of charge? I robbed other churches by receiving support from them so as I could serve you. There is another sign here of true loyalty, isn't there? Other churches supported Paul whilst he was in the process of planting and building new churches, bringing to them a point of maturity where they would be in a position to maybe support Paul as he moves on and plants other churches in other towns. Much in the same way as all these churches felt they were just part of the greater church, God's church, the true loyalty are there if good and bad times comes. There's no difference. The church in Macedonia would in fact support people back in Jerusalem in their hardship even if they themselves were struggling. But they knew they needed to support Jerusalem. This is very much part of the teaching Jesus left with us when he gave it to John in 15.12. Love each other as I have loved you. Jesus gave himself for us And we have all at some stage declared that we want to be like-minded with Christ. We want to be like him. We've said that, haven't we? So in verse 9, And when I was with you, 
and needed something, I was not a burden to anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. I have kept myself from being a burden to you in any way, and will continue to do so. See, many people do this this very day, not being a burden on those they minister to. We have, uh, in our midst, we have our brother Brian in Japan, who is such a tent maker like Paul. He's holding down a job in Tokyo to live each day to pay his rent and food. And then he spends all his spare time evangelizing the Japanese people. That is what happens today. And in some way we should be doing a similar thing. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, Paul says, nobody in the regions of Achaia will stop this boasting of mine. Paul is obviously here not boasting about himself. He's always boasting about Christ and about the work done by Christ in him. Paul abhors hypocrisy. He states clearly in Romans 12.9 as he's a man of God and has this great need to live a life for his Savior. He writes, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. And in verse of 11, he says, why? Why? Because I do not love you. God knows I do. He loved the church in Corinth. In hard times and good times, but mostly in the hard times. He truly loved them and served them. Two years he was there, at least. Again, he stresses to them that he's doing it out of his love and care for them. He deeply loves his brothers and sisters in Christ as well as having a deep-seated desire to see many more converted by the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul's life is. He completely understands the miracle that happened within him on the road to Damascus, and he fully comprehends the indescribable blessing that is in this for him. And he wants that for others. In verse 12, and I'll keep doing what I'm doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want their opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. See, our calling by Christ and Paul's calling by Christ is the same. It is purposed in the sharing of the good news of Jesus Christ that everyone who has been called will hear it and they will respond on the call to them in repentance and in humility, wanting to serve, wanting to be part of Christ's solution for the world. But see, this call is more than just sharing the gospel. It also includes taking part in the battle, the spiritual battle that we are in with the world right now. And a defending of the name of Jesus and defending the truth of the gospel. And when evil men and women try to confuse and distract our brothers and sisters with lies and deceits. Happens all day, every day. Sadly, this also includes church leaders. Ordained ministers of the word even. And some of them are in fact false prophets. As it says in verse 14, no wonder... For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be their actions to serve. 
Again, I refer you to Romans 12, but this time verse 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. You and my duty are to declare the truth and correct wrongful teaching when we see it and hear it. We are never to take revenge or punish. That is the sole domain of the Lord our God. And speaking of declaring the truth, I repeat, he says, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then receive me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. Well, Paul is back talking about the truth of the foolishness. I think with tongue firmly in cheek, however, here. So when we consider today's passage, there is the issue of loyalty, the issue of loving, loyalty to God the Father, the loyalty to God the Son, and the loyalty to God the Spirit, and loyalty to the truth they have presented to us and given us freely. And with that, we must also have loyalty to the gospel. Not a new gospel, but the gospel. May the Lord instill such great love in our hearts that this will never ever be a burden nor a problem for you. And may we, as we love him, love him as he loved us. And may our lives show that as evidence of how we do live our lives and how we care for each other, how we care for the world that God placed us in for the purpose of sharing this wonderful gift. Let us pray. Our loving Father, we come to you to ask you that you will indeed uplift, uplift us, that you will strengthen this desire we have in our hearts to go on serve you by sharing this truth that you have given us. The truth that cost you your son. The truth that sent him to the cross that he should die for our sins. That we may not have to die that death. That we will have an eternal relationship with you God through your son. And you have given us your Holy Spirit to guide us each and every day. May it all be a blessing and may we be a blessing to you, Lord, and honour you with our lives. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.